Hey guys, this is John and Austin, and this is another episode of the Meat Justics podcast presented by Waltons. For those of you watching on YouTube, you just saw something a little behind the scenes, and we've got Stephen Spurgeon here with us. Uh, Stephen is one of our regional salesmen responsible for Oklahoma. For Oklahoma, um, and Stephen's been with us two years now. Uh, yeah, just over two. Just over two years. Uh, very interesting employee for us because he's got a good amount of experience actually managing his own plant. So not my plant. Oh, I'll plant. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't. You know. were responsible for the plant, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, something that we're trying to do called uh, Walton's employee meeting, where we go ahead and bring in a different employee that some of our viewers, customers, listeners, whatever, wouldn't normally get a chance to meet. Um, we thought you would be a, a, a good one because of your extensive knowledge of running a meat processing plant. So first off, why don't we talk a little bit about the plant that you used to manage? What was the name? Uh, Wild Country Meats. Wild Country Meats in what Oklahoma? Uh, they have two locations. The original one's in Hominy, Oklahoma, which is my hometown. Okay. And then they have a retail shop that opened a few years ago in Cleveland, Oklahoma. Okay. So. Uh, how many people? Uh, at the peak, we were over 50, but we had a steakhouse at the time. So we were running, uh, you know, processing, retail, and a steakhouse all at the same time. Uh, when I left, we were probably around 35 to 40 because the steakhouse wasn't operational anymore. Okay. And what uh, were we doing beef? Were we doing hog? Were we doing bison? Uh, everything. Uh, beef. Bison, hogs, a ton of deer. Um, we do lamb and goat every once in a while. We do some uh, llama. Okay. From time to time. Uh, we did an emu once. How was that? It was really once? weird. Actually, I wasn't there for the slaughter. <laughs> okay. I wasn't. I was actually still in school at the time. Um, we've done some water buffalo. Oh. Uh, we did a lot of bison. That's got to um, be intense. So Hominy is in Osage County. So... Um, Actually, movie that just came out, the Leonardo DiCaprio Flowers movie, of Osage. Killer of the Flower. There you go. Yeah, like that, that's yeah. that's literally 20 minutes north of Hominy. Okay. So a uh, lot of cattle from Ted Turner's old ranch, which he recently sold to the Osage Nation. Okay. So we used to do a, a lot of bison that way. Osage Nation built a plant, so they do a lot of their own bison now too. So I'm not Instead sure. Instead of wild country. Yeah, and I'm not sure how many bison wild country is currently doing but right. that number did decrease a little bit because of that but bison are nuts man what's more intense a bison or a water buffalo uh the water buffalo was dead when it came to it ah, so okay. that wasn't it was heavy they're scary man the heads are just massive i think that that's the one they call the black death um in africa because they just they're so aggressive, aggressive. Yeah. yeah and they're i couldn't imagine being charged by one it'd be insane kurt carter told us a story about a water buffalo um, I won't repeat it. People can go back and look for that one, but it, it's a heck of a story. Um, all right. So you had about 35 employees, you said? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how many, if you were doing beef that day, how many could you get through with 35 people? Um, at the end of my time there, uh, we could do 15 to 16 beef a day. Okay. And what does that entail? Like, are we talking about, were we slaughtering there? Were you actually yeah. killing them? Okay. So coming in the door, killing them, skinning them hanging them mm -hmm. or do we yeah. get further in the process of that because they uh, have to hang for a while first right? typically we would hang about a 10 to 14 day hang okay a lot of that would depend on the size of the carcass the fat coverage um 
all that kind of, you know, when you're, when you're in it, you realize that, you know, a smaller carcass is going to drive faster than a larger car carcass. If you got a lot of fat coverage, that makes a difference too. Increases the time, I imagine. Yeah, just the more fat there is, the longer it takes to dry. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of science behind that, but you're not going to get that from me. Sure. So bring Dylan in here and, and you can get that science. Okay. Um, uh, what about then, the difference between a, a bison and a beef hanging time? Uh, bison don't typically have just a abundance Much, of fat coverage, right. so they dry quicker. Um, and they've got a yellower fat, I think. Well, most of them aren't grain finished. They... Some of them might be, depending on the operation. The ones that we did were mainly on uh, grass a lot. Okay. So the fat tends to typically have a different color, yellower sometimes. And uh, so, and you'll see that with grass-fed beef too. What were the differences in the rail systems? Could you do beef and bison from the same rail system or do you have a separate rail system for your bison? Uh, we didn't have to separate bison necessarily. Um, we did try to keep things separated on different rails. Mm -hmm. Um, but just for like organization, your, your, both your rail or rail systems were high enough that you could run a bison through it. Yeah, they were okay. high enough. We could run okay. pretty much anything through it. We did, you know, and I'm sure most commercial processors have run into this. Someone brings a bull in that weighs, you know, 2,800 pounds and your rail system just doesn't seem as big as it used to yeah. so now that's not common but we did have a customer who would bring in about five bulls a year all together and they'd be 25 to 2800 pounds live weight and it's just it's not Same. fun to cut either no, it's so imagine. big it just wears you out so yeah but yeah typically you're not seeing that though that's so, that's pretty rare were you breaking them down into primals and subprimals, all the way down into steaks or what were you doing yeah so Finished processing. Okay. So, so let me let me go back a little bit. We were custom exempt inspection, which means that you own a beef, you bring it to us, it goes back to you. Mm -hmm. We're not selling it to the public. Uh, now they have gone inspected since I've been gone, so they do more state inspected than well, well they didn't do any when I was there. It was all custom, but we were running numbers that it was like if we're booked full on custom. Why go state inspected? Sure. Like, I mean, it makes sense to a certain point. It all depends on your demographic, on what customers you have, where you're going with it. There's so many different avenues of meat processing that, you know, just depends on what you need to do for your area. And we had just enough custom processing that we didn't have to really get into it. So if I'm a customer, I bring you five hogs, whatever, and I want summer sausage and snack stick made mm -hmm. out of those. You guys would actually all the way down to the smoking and yep. okay packaging, packaging. So like things similar to that. But you wouldn't be able to make that though because that's designed to be sold, obviously, right? That, yeah, that's a retail package. Yeah. So basically what you would get is the same thing except it would say not for sale, Okay. meaning that you can't sell it. Right. That's why we sell like meat bags that say not for sale on them. All those go to the custom processing. Yeah. Yes. So it goes back to the end user who cannot resell it exactly because it hasn't Winking been inspected now here's the here's the thing you own a beef you sell me aside and you sell austin aside that happens at the when the animal is live right does it always work that way no 
but but the agreement's been made ahead of time yes exactly exactly so you're selling the live animal and we bought he bought half i bought half of the live animal of course you raised it you're the producer that's kind of how custom processing works do the lines get hazy sometimes yeah can people get in big trouble yeah but most of the time people do it legit okay i'm sure there's a lot of instances where it's not legit but for the most part i think everybody you know they try to do it right yeah most people get away with it um (laughs) come on (laughs) so what were some of the biggest challenges you had managing a shop of that size uh you know the same problems i have my commercial customers have to employment is the hardest thing but i think that's within your business hold you know if you've got 35 people how many is a town of about 2500 people so having 35 good employees is tough now people drove in because it was a good business um towards the end there probably my last five years we were able to offer benefits and uh all that stuff that small businesses typically can't do Mm -hmm. and uh, so it made it where we could hire a higher caliber of employee. But yeah, employment's always the hardest. And even talking to my customers today, it's just hard finding people. Plus you can't find butchers. Yeah, that's fair. You have to train butchers. And that was one thing that I really enjoyed doing was taking someone who had no experience, but they were a really good worker. They wanted to work hard and taking them through cutting, taking them through I didn't take them through packaging. My wife actually ran our packaging, which she just started working in Walton's too. So um I wouldn't do that because she's way better at packaging than I was. So okay. I don't why yeah, don't mess we're with highly that. competitive. I don't want to <laughs> do something that I already know she's better at me then. And How- then like going through the slaughter floor and teaching them, finding out where they're best fit. Cause in my opinion, if you're not good on the kill floor, and we know that. I'm not going to put you on the kill floor. I want to put you where you're best. What does it take for someone to be good on the kill floor? Like just not for uh, out? It's, it's a lot of personality. Um, if you and your personality don't like it out there, mm-hmm. you don't need to be out there. And yeah. it doesn't take long to figure that out. So that's number one. Two is just attention to detail. They You can't just have some guy in there just willy-nilly doing stuff in there there has to be a, an extreme attention to detail out there because you can get people sick uh, yeah. there's a lot of things that go on you know splitting a beef is sounds pretty simple but if you get off an inch and a half you can really mess up everybody's steaks right you're talking ribeyes you're talking t-bones or strips and fl- you mess stuff up bad so attention to detail is huge and the welfare of the animal Sure. You want to make it as humane as possible. You don't want someone out there who's they're having a bad day because something happened at home and they're out there just treating animals like crap. Like you don't want that. So it's, it's yeah. a level headed person. Okay. And then you have some people who like it too much and you're like, <laughs> Maybe well, not we need to get this either. person off the kill floor. <laughs> Maybe not you either. <laughs> Maybe they should go to packaging. Yeah, that's so, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a fine line for sure. And You'll hire people and train them up for two months. And then they're like, hey, I don't like meat processing. I found another job. That was always frustrating. But, you know, you don't want somebody there who doesn't like meat processing. What would it, how long would it take you to bring in somebody just off the streets who'd never done it before and train them up to the place where, you know, they can't do everything, but you consider them a knowledgeable employee? Um, to be someone that I can... I can trust to do, and, and we did it in levels. 
like I had a, a training system. When you when you first came on, you're running the grinder. You're not putting you're not doing the things to put things in the grinder. You're running the grinder, mm -hmm. learning how to run it. And then you move to boning out. So boning out, you're going to be learning more of the structure, things like that. So to trust you, I would probably say two months. Okay. To be an actual butcher, I would say two years. Yeah. That um, makes sense. And of course, some people move faster than others, but typically to be a butcher working full time in the plant for two years and knowing how to do at least 80% of everything, about two years. Okay. Um, speaking of finished or unfinished products, did you make more snack sticks, more summer sausage, more regular sausage? So the cool thing about coming to work for Walton's, we didn't do a ton of value added stuff. Like I said, we the last year I was there, we did 2,500 deer in the last season I was there. I think last year they did 3,300. So I don't miss that. My hands feel good. They're not, <laughs> they're not going numb anymore. We made a lot of summer sausage. Um, when I first started, we were making, uh, you know, like Italian links and hot links and things like that. Our deer numbers shot up so quick. We couldn't keep up with all the products. Right. We only had one 500T smokehouse at the time. Hmm. And we were doing hams and bacons from hogs. Um, so we only had a limited amount of time to roll product. So we did a ton of summer sausage for deer. We offered breakfast sausage. And that was really it okay. for the majority of the time, just because of our limitations on smokehouse. Now, since then, they've bought another smokehouse. They bought a second one while I was still there. And I believe last year they bought a third one. So their their availability is getting bigger. They're adding more value added products. So they continue to expand, which is great because I like they're in Oklahoma. And I like to see them <laughs> succeed. Yes, I cover Oklahoma too, and, and they're just great people. Good. Like I've known them since I was eleven. I started working there when I was fourteen as a cleanup kid. Yeah, and uh, so you know I was there for twenty plus years. Uh, when you were the, uh, no, we're not going to go down that. We've talked a lot about child labor. There's a lot. The so I've, I listen to the <laughs> podcast every, like pretty much every week. I love it. You guys are hilarious. I love the way the members interact. So I've heard that. <laughs> Let me tell you the, the, uh, labor laws. If you are under 18, you can work and clean. You cannot touch equipment, right? You can't touch the disassembled parts of the equipment of equipment. Right. So for if I hire a 17 year old and I disassemble everything, <laughs> unplug all the machines, they still can't touch the pan of the bandsaw. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah, it doesn't sound the law doesn't. Weird. I mean, I'm sure it was put in place for a reason. There's some weird stuff in it. So but I mean, you work around it, you you hire someone older to do that stuff or you're like we got to the point where our butchers, when they got done for the day, clean that stuff. And then we'd bring in 16, 17 year old after school, just trying to make money to clean the stuff that he can clean. Right. So. Okay. Well, it's still helpful. Um, what did you like the least about managing that plant? The least. Um, I love the customers, probably just the headaches of managing 35 to 40 people. Okay. And I'm sure... Austin and Dylan, they, they run into the same headaches. It's, it's not industry specific. I don't think it's just like when you have that many people, you can just imagine that probably today 
someone or multiple people are going to call in today. Right. You know, it problem. just creates headaches. Now I got to move this person over here to do this. Um, so logistics of the logistics people. of being the manager of of people. It's fair. I love I still love meat processing. That's why I'm really glad I'm still in it on this side um, and helping my commercial customers through things that I've faced before. That's turned out to be really well in building relationships with those customers, which then in turns turns into sales. Sure. The more they trust you, the more they'll buy from you. So that's been great on my end to to use that experience to help a customer get through something that I've been through before and maybe not have to go through so many of the bumps that I went through. But I don't know. It's just been it's been a perfect fit. I like it. There's a few employees here that are rough around the yeah, edges. Not, not quite so sure on. Yeah. yeah One or no. two of those. <laughs> no, everybody's pretty great. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, are, is there anything else you want to talk about? Like anything you feel, feel was inter- would be interesting to listeners about running a meat plant? Um, you know, I, I, I think you guys have talked about it before too, but the relationship between the producer and the processor is way more important than I think people put focus on. Okay. Um, and in terms of like how the processor does things based on what they have and what the producer needs. Sometimes I think that uh, balance there, both sides need to know what they're expecting. And when a producer goes, oh, I'll never go to this processing plant again, they stole my meat, which everybody hears. A lot of times it's just, there was a miscommunication on, hey, you decided you wanted 95% lean on your burger mm-hmm. and you wanted all boneless cuts. So you're not going to get the percentage that you think it is. Right. So I think when the processor learns that like, hey, I need to have these conversations with my producer and the producer learns, hey, I need to have these conversations and make it more of a partnership than, hey, pay me for doing this. It makes it a lot easier. So if any of our listeners, our producers are take beef or hogs or even deer to a processor have those conversations so you learn that stuff because there's nothing more frustrating than seeing on facebook so-and-so stole my meat (laughs) and you're just like oh my goodness where'd you shoot it you shot it through both hind legs that's why (laughs) it's all gone yeah so uh you get stuff like that and as a processor former processor you see those complaints on people's pages or on their you know, their Google reviews and you're like, is this really true? Like, or is this, was this just a miscommunication? Sure. So it's possible. All right, Steven, thank you very much. Appreciate you coming in. Um, and, uh, for anyone who's in Oklahoma, Steven's extremely knowledgeable and for any commercial customer in Oklahoma, uh, Steven's extremely knowledgeable. He's responsible for your area. So if you have questions on equipment processes, seasoning, anything like that, he's your man. Yeah. Thanks, Steven. No problem. All right. So that was Steven. Uh, like we said, anybody who's in <clears throat> Oklahoma, commercial customer, he's an absolutely great guy, good asset for Waltons. And if you have any questions, issues, anything like that, reach out to him. All right. Moving on. I was talking to your dad. Uh, we went to the Ducks Unlimited uh, banquet this past weekend. It was um, your dad, your mom, your sister, and I. Feels like maybe you should have gone, but you know, <laughs> no, they I was- wanted to bring me. I I just have been content to not do anything outside of uh, required lately. Fair so. points, fair points. Um, but while we were 
doing that. Your dad brought up um, there was another option for what we were going to call Waltons. No, there was not. He says it came down to uh, meat gistics or Waltons. No. No? No. Oh. He's not remembering correctly. Okay. Meatgistics was a thing that I created like five years after we changed our name. You and your dad need to have a talk then because he thinks that it was like a, a written in submission by employees. No. All right. Well, that, you shut that one down. Yeah, no, he's he's wrong. Uh, he's wrong. We'll let him come and uh, argue his point on the podcast someday, but okay, he's wrong. Sounds good. All right, what do you got here for us? So um, we've talked about the Booth, Booth Creek Wagyu place before and was excited that it was, they bought out seafood shop. It's like close to us. I keep saying I'm going to go. Hadn't gone, finally went. And then afterwards I was like, I didn't get any like summer sausage snacks. They, they had other stuff. So today, before the podcast, I finally gave in and I ran back and grabbed a few different things. Excuse me. So we got just a like kind of plain original summer sausage, a summer sausage with ghost pepper cheese, and a jalapeno and cheddar snack stick. And we've obviously cut them up and... I would say uh, take a bite and try it, but we've already been we've eating already it. Done that. So what are your thoughts? Well, throw um, me one. Throw me one. Like literally throw it to you? Yeah. Just okay, sweet. Ready? That got so that close. Was really close. <laughs> I stayed in it for I was a while to, to toss it right into his... His open gullet. Um, <laughs> oh, smells like baloney. <laughs> he's not wrong. So my uh, impression of both the summer sausages are that they need more encapsulated citric acid or more zinc. Yeah, I like a tangier sausage. The, for me, the biggest thing that was weird is that it, the texture is different. And I think it's because it's the Wagyu. Dude, that's baloney. <laughs> are you just calling it straight baloney? Um, yeah, I'm okay. into that. That's straight baloney. Which, from Patrick, you can't get higher praise than that. Yeah, he absolutely yeah, adores on a, on a Yeah, zero to baloney, that's baloney. You're sure this is made from Wagyu? Yeah. American Wagyu beef. <laughs> Wait, American Wagyu tastes like Oscar Mayer baloney. Ingredient statement, Wagyu beef. Okay. Man, that feels like a... Come on, guys. That's a big ask. Like, oh, I'm going to make these out of Wagyu. Were these incredibly expensive or were they reasonable? Oh, yeah. It's like $15 and they're not for even a full pound. So like 20 bucks a pound. Are they both the same? No, one is uh, me another one. summer sausage. Or Sorry, one is uh, ghost pepper cheese, right? Yeah. No, not never, as close. Never had a chance. Not as close. Um I don't I don't think the texture is bad. I don't even think it's that much difference. I think it's the difference between beef and pork, to be honest. Because we make most of ours out of pork. And this is obviously Wagyu beef. I don't know, but it it feels like softer than pork almost. Like it's this texture feels soft. Not maybe not softer than pork, softer than normal beef. Fat content could just be a higher fat content. Yeah. Did you talk about acid level? Did smooth acid impart like a no, different texture on it? These ingredients are really small, so I'm having trouble reading all of them. Um, but we did see that there is encapsulated citric acid or uh, a citric acid in both of them. I just don't think it comes through very strong on the regular. The ghost pepper one, I think, is really good. 
very nice taste to it. Really good flavor. It's got some heat to it. Um, and yeah, just all around a good flavor. I'm not a, a huge fan of just a traditional summer sausage with no cheese. I want something in there to to break it up a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's very mild, very mild. When yeah, Patrick said like bologna, it's yeah. it's it's I don't know. It the texture is still summer sausage. It looks like summer sausage. It has I hate to say a bologna flavor, but it's a milder flavor. I mean, that's don't look at that necessarily as an insult. Right. Like that is kind of what a generic summer sausage it tastes vaguely of bologna. It's different kind generally, but yeah, it has a generally has a bologna flavor. Patrick's disagreeing. He now Patrick is a, a bologna connoisseur. I could do a blind taste test with you guys, and I bet you I could do bologna and sneak that in, and you wouldn't be able to tell which one's the summer sausage. Here's why I don't know about that. Yeah, you're wrong. No, you know, you know, you don't get to look at it. No, I don't. Let's bring it on. Save me a couple slices of that. It's the bologna episode, guys. It's what we've all been waiting for. <laughs> it's okay if you skip this one. Yeah, don't worry. Just it's fast a Meg episode. <laughs> um, no, yeah. no, no, no. This is a Halloween episode. The Bolo- anything to do with me? You're the Meg episode. I'm I'm the specialty episode. All right. Let's talk about the snack sticks. It's been too long since I had the snack sticks. I gotta cut another piece. Now, these, I think, have a, a much different texture than what I'm used to for snack sticks. Yeah, these are... Like, really soft. Creamy, yeah. almost. I don't hate it. I do not hate the texture at all. It's different, though. Yeah, it. I don't know how else to describe it other than it's like, it's creamy beef. Yeah, which is... It's very good. No? Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I like it. I do generally like a little bit more snap in it. Uh, this one really doesn't have any real snap, um, but really good palate appeal and the flavor. It's a jalapeno cheddar, which is uh, just a nice overall snack stick. It's very good. And then we've got some cheese in there, obviously. Okay. Moving on. Or do you want to talk? Would you pay for it? Over and over? No. Is it that much better? No. No, no I don't, honestly, I don't think it's better. Period. End of sentence. Okay, right. cool. I, I just don't think for certain flavors, buffalo definitely being one of them, beef works better. There's no question. But for most flavors of sausage, pork is superior. Did we ever go back and redo our Wagyu versus like just regular ground beef? test because i think we talked about it we made burgers and we yeah. incorrectly identified things <laughs> or patrick was wrong no, or dude. patrick was wrong we could go with that no. but do we need to do that again sure i'll 100 do that again why God, are you so planning on go- going and getting some more ground wagyu oh i'll be back there oh, awesome now i will not be back very often because yeah, i spent pricey, huh? I, I i bought six steaks uh and uh I also was, my wife had, ne- my wife's never had Wagyu before. So went and I was like, well, okay, this time we're going to buy like the highest graded stuff. So also spent an extra like 20 bucks a pound just for the stuff that is like the higher end things. Right. And I spent way too much. So are we, but for like, was it a five? The grading system's different. Oh, okay. Uh, because it's not Japanese Wagyu. Yeah. It's B something and like 10 through 40. So I got 
like the 40 grade. Okay. Do you want to say how much a pound it was? I don't remember for sure. <laughs> it was somewhere between 60 to $90 a pound. Uh, uh, like I said, rough. I will, uh, I will not be buying, I will go back and I will try like the low grade one and do that. But it's going to be a while yeah. because I just spent, uh, a week of groceries on one meal. So, um, when I went up last time to uh, Crables to pick up a quarter of beef, I bought some of that Wagyu stuff for us just to to have here, and I spent almost as much on those few cuts of Wagyu than I did on my quarter of beef. I mean, it is ridiculously expensive. It's yeah. very very good, but it's ridiculously expensive. It is nuts. Um. All right, moving on uh, real quick. We've got uh, Shake Shack shareholders debate deceptive advertising claims about chicken hormones. So um, Shake Shack came out with a like an advertising campaign. It was a mini run that said no hormones ever. <laughs> well, that was for their chicken, and you can't use hormones in chicken. You got to love marketing. Technically, you can label it as such because that's true, but it's true for everyone. Right. It's the gluten-free beef. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, let's slap a gluten-free label on that. People are stupid. They'll they'll buy that. Some people re will recognize. Some people won't. But I think the people that recognize it and know it's kind of silly probably just are like, whatever. But then they do catch people and get a benefit out of it. Oh, for sure. That that's worth it's worth all of it because if you're a suburban mom shopping for your kids and you're concerned about all that stuff like patrick's wife won't was it red dye number five uh, just any dye i think yeah like basically will not let it be used or not buy anything that's used in so if they see that on a a package that says no hormones ever like perfect i'll take it not realizing that everything they've ever bought for the most part, is the exact same thing. Yeah. Kind of sad. We should start marketing all of our seasonings as no hormone added. Hormone free. Yeah, we could. We definitely could. Uh, real quick, uh, the other day, Josh, well, Josh Patrick and I met for our BHA rendezvous meeting, just like figuring out what we're bringing, how we're doing all of it. And I went up, after I got a response from somebody, I went up to talk to him and uh, C. Davis came in um so is he even from the area uh yeah a 30 minute drive oh okay so i thought he was further away than that no a 35 i think he's 30 35 something like that's that. that's not bad then. yeah okay so it was cool to see him i was gonna say if, if if someone drives like a day's drive or something and they come to the store and they don't let us know that they're here yeah. i will be kind of disappointed well i'm sure it's happened i'm sure it's happened um there were the Meet just six guys who came in, talked to our old store manager, and they're like, wait, they actually work here like in this <laughs> building? I'm like, yeah, we're, we're. You come in the store and you don't. special. You, you don't. Just walking in the store, you don't know what else goes on. You don't see anything else. You just, yeah, it's, it's the retail store. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that are local in town that don't know of us that well. They come in the store and they think that's it. And it's like, no, the rest of the. the the 50 some thousand other square feet here that's uh there's more things going on that's not all to support that retail store <laughs> yeah it is very very different um all right moving on to meat matters even though the last one kind of was 
Uh, Small cattle farmers win friends in Washington. This is from the American Conservative. Uh, A a user sent me this. I don't know if he wanted me mentioning who he was. Um, But one of the things I found interesting is when we're talking about grass, uh, grass finished stuff. um, This is they want to replace sight ear tags on cattle with electronic ear tags so that the herds can be monitored more efficiently by the government. Yeah, I don't like that. So I, right away, I don't like that. But um, this is from the article. It says, a rule requiring electronic ear tags will do cattle and bison, will do to cattle and bison what central bank cur- digital currency does to the dollar. Destroy that's from, it? Yeah, it's from Thomas Massey, who's <laughs> one of my favorite politicians. Because hasn't the dollar kind of died since we... We took away like the gold standard. Yeah, but this is central bank digital currency didn't do that. CBDCs are like uh, bitcoins. Oh, digital currency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I got you. Okay, I this is. Do you know? I got it. It's all did. None of it's real, guys. Uh, it's fiat. Good it's faith currency. Our, we, it's what it it's is all now. Based on nothing now. Yeah, it's a number on our phones. We go. Ah, oh, thank God. Yes, I have I have more so of that good. fake number. Uh, the sale of animals can be monitored and blocked if a farmer is not compliant. Compliance with 100 regulations won't be possible outside of a corporation. Farmers will become serfs to the corporations, and he's not wrong. Um, economies of scale, the more regulations you put on things, the more uh, difficult you make it, it is only going to be the largest corporations in the end. Yeah, there will have to be exceptions to it in different levels, kind of like, I mean, just talking with Steven, he said that they they were custom exempt processing for yep. such a long time. And now they do like some state, like, well, there's there's a then another level USDA, you've got custom exempt, you've got yeah, custom exempt and retail and, and, and uh, state inspection, USDA inspection, different levels to do different things. And not everyone is USDA, it takes a lot to process everything under USDA inspection. So you go and you go before the processing, go to the raising of cattle, you're going to create the same system. You can't just say, oh, everyone has to follow. I don't know. I guess you could, but it's going to destroy a lot of people. Sure. There, there has to be levels or the better scenario, which just don't do it. Why? 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 Why on this, the electronic ear tags? Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there is no good reason as far as if it's, ben- if it's beneficial, people will use it just naturally. Right. The producers will want to use it because it saves time, reduces costs, does something of benefit or value to them. So. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Boiler Room? No. Patrick? No. Okay. They have, uh, you know, when you're trading commodities, you have to have uh, a someone from the government basically have an office in your trading floor overseeing things like someone from the securities and exchange commission um and they have one they're like him like he's our trained monkey he does whatever we tell him to do and i wonder and i'm not accusing anybody of anything but i wonder if it's like that at some some usda inspectors at these huge plants i doubt it no 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 you don't think tyson may throw hey here's an extra Eight hundred thousand dollar blah blah. Oh, blah. do you think they're bribing them? I don't know. I, I'm sure it happens. There's corruption everywhere, but I usually hear the opposite. In that, yes, the the inspector has an office in your plant, and it's usually more of a hey, we have to deal with this instead mm-hmm. 
hey, this is being helpful. Sure. But that's because the customers that we deal with are the smaller guys. I'm talking about, you know, a mega conglomeration. I don't know, but I don't think you'll get anybody to admit to anything. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't. The world, Depending on how far I was willing to go, though. Uh, Pizza recall as dire warning issued. So this is just sad that pizza is being... um, lumped in with all this do you remember a year and a half ago when we were talking about all the plants burning down yeah there is something going on with contamination in food supplies recently um anybody who remembers i was firmly on the side of all of that was just coincidence and lack of maintenance from everyone being overworked for, with covid um, and i think i'm on the same same thing with this um but uh Richelio Foods of Wheeling, Illinois, has voluntarily recalled one of its vegan pizza products after it was discovered contain traces of milk, <sighs> posing a danger with milk and dairy allergies. Unfortunately, it's an allergy. It is an actual uh. allergy. It is an actual allergy. But when I read that first, I was like, oh, these vegans. They're gonna... I was like, oh, no, that's right. Somebody could get really sick from this. Uh, the products labeled 365 Whole Food Market Vegan Ultimate Veggie Thin Crust Pizza. That is a ridiculous name. That's the Amazon um, way of naming things. Yeah. Just make the name as long as possible. Have been distributed to four states in the U.S. According to the FDA, 144 individual pizzas have entered the supply chain. Each of these has a lot code of blank uh, with best by date of June 15, 2024. Uh, the product comes in green and white packaging, so probably shouldn't concern anybody too much who listens to this podcast, but maybe some of you are <laughs> are lactose or dairy intolerant. Uh, you can put whatever you want for a lot code, but I find it entertaining that their lot code is their best buy date. It's, it's not a bad way to do it, but normally lot oh, codes I didn't even... you look at and you're like, yeah, that's weird. Or maybe you're like, oh, it's a Julian date or like something that's not just blatantly obvious. Oh, no, it's just blatantly obvious. It's... 06152024. I had a buddy named Julian that worked at Best Buy. You're kind of blowing my mind over here. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. This is wild. Like, um, what is that? Is this a wheel of fortune before and after? My it God. was it was so not obvious to me that I just said blank because I didn't feel like reading the number. So <laughs> I didn't see it. I just moved right on. Do you do the thing where you're reading a book and you don't know the person's name and you just make up a name for them in your head? Like it's a long last name instead of knowing how to pronounce it the correct oh, way. Oh, 100%. Dr. Yep. And I just go, yeah. Dr. Naderber. Dr. Ninger. And then later on in life, you're reading out loud in class, you go, oh, I know. That's definitely not what it is. Yeah. Or you hear somebody else pronounce it, you're like, Oh, oh wow that's absolutely. so far I, off. that's happened to me during this podcast i think <laughs> and it was posthumously or posthumously like how do you say that word posthumously i always thought it was posthumously i was like who would laugh about something <laughs> <laughs> so so incredible is that? but anyway sorry no that's pretty good um all right pork and beef thieves in jail uh, a couple of meat thieves have been arrested captain jim hughes with the salon uh, i thought saline okay but this happened right around us, so I assumed it was Salina. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. Celine, Salina. Salina is in Celine County. Oh, jeez, that's very confusing. Uh, Celine County Sheriff's Office tell KSAL News that the security camera footage and a search warrant helped authorities gather evidence and arrest the Salina couple. 
Deputies arrested 54-year-old Wallace Holmes and 51-year-old Andrea Randecker in connection to a residential burglary that occurred last week in the 4700 block of North Woodward Road, where they emptied a freezer of packaged pork and beef. Captain Hughes said, says after last week's break in, the property owner added some new surveillance system, which then caught Holmes on video when he returned to the property Monday to steal more items. So he must have gotten home and been like, this is some quality beef. I've got to go back and get some more. A uh, search warrant used at his central slide of home uncovered some stolen items, including the meat, which was stamped with the victim's name on the butcher paper. Holmes and Randacker are both facing charges of burglary, burglary, burglary. God, that was a hard one. Burglary. Theft and trespassing, while Randacker could also be facing additional charges of possession of methamphetamine and drug paraphernalia. Come on, people. If you're going to do something illegal, at least be smart about it. Well, my question here Actually, is... Actually, don't, because then we catch you. Yeah. Right. Keep being stupid. My question here is, I wonder if they were reselling the meat. Right? Because if they're the methamphetamine one, generally those people aren't like, oh, I want a steak. They're just like, I want to sell whatever I have for more meth. Right? So I don't know, but should I be looking on the black market for beef? Is the question. Are you that dumb though to sell it with someone else's name on it? (laughs) Stamped on on the butcher paper. Well, I doubt they were repackaging it. So yeah, I don't know. And the fact that they stole some, then went back a week later. I mean, if you stole, if you stole a bunch of meat and you ate all that meat in a week, right? So they were probably selling it. So I need a black market beef hookup. Does say how much they stole? It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't. I just found it funny that they went back. Yeah. That don't ever. It's kind of a return to the scene of a crime. No. Always a bad idea. Uh, this is from Business Insider. There's apparently just so much bacon Americans care to eat, leaving pork producers scrambling. It is uh, demand for pork in the United States is down 9% from 20 years ago. No way. Researchers from Kansas State University estimate, according to the Wall Street Journal. Production, meanwhile, is up 25%. That means producers now have more pork than they can sell. The National Pork Board, which provides consumer information and industry research about pork, estimates that annual pork consumption will drop by another 2.2 pounds per capita over the next 10 years if more young people do not start eating the meat. This is wrong. I'm gonna make an effort to just start eating more pork to make up for. I'm have. I gotta keep eating more beef. And I've I been doing my part for pork. beef. I've definitely been doing my part on beef. I, yeah, we eat a lot of beef compared to. Pretty much all I eat though is beef and chicken. I don't eat a lot of pork other than like sausage and stuff. Sausage, snack sticks, all that is obviously a lot of pork. But maybe that's what we need to do. That's not good. Not thinking of that, that's not good for us then. That pork's going down? uh Uh-huh. Unless people are just making more beef products or are they eating less of fresh pork and it's just just the Tysons in the world that are going to suffer? Cutlets. Yeah, and not the further processed things and something that small processors are doing. I don't know. Be interesting to dig deeper into that to know what's really down. I don't know. Sausage consumption year by year. First thing that comes up is... Although I see a lot of like alternative sausages at the store. Not pork. Could be chicken. Could be beef. More stuff that like 10 years ago, I I didn't see the same level of those other things. It was if there was sausage at the store, 
it was pork. Yeah, 2011 <laughs> to 2024, it's gone up every year. Okay, so we're fine. I'm we're glad fine. you guys brought that up because I Googled uh, what animals should we be eating that we're not. Oh, no. I know what he's going to say. No, yeah, I don't think you do. Um, Rodents? I, don't, I don't really know what I'm saying. Oh, no. no, no, no. no. Oh. But there, you guys should guess a couple, like, it's right, usually there's, just comments. There's so a big push a recently because rodent, rodents apparently are, like, sustainable or something. Oh, that's, that's right. Cool. We did have this conversation. Hey, well, you got to talk sustainable or you, you got you to bring crickets into it. That's yeah. Isn't that the, the the fad over the last five, ten happened. years? It's crickets, cricket flour, like, everything related to crickets. This dude's saying uh, kangaroos. Their meat is lean, healthy, and very low in cholesterol, and they are uh, extraordinarily efficient at breeding. They do not contribute to greenhouse gases as cattle and sheep do, and they're perfectly adapt to the Australian environment, having evolved there. So, okay. Do you know what else kangaroo meat is? I know. Disgusting. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. Our oh. kangaroo burger was terrible. Oh, yeah, I guess maybe in a burger. Did we have a kangaroo burger? Uh-huh. Dude, I got, we got to make a list, and I got to go rewatch all these and videos. Just figure out. I don't remember yeah. what we've ate. You, yeah. My memory's bad. Your brain can only accept so much incoming information before it just starts dropping things. Right? So those are things that your brain was probably like, we don't need this. That's probably an old Let's drop it. Something I saw the other day said, like, you have to, if you want to learn something new, you have to forget something else. And I'm like, ah, that's a lie. But I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's legit. No, it's not. I I don't know anything about our ERP system anymore. Like, I, the very basics. I can't remember how to find anything anything That's when i was good. in customer so, service i just like when we change over in a few months it'll be a <laughs> blank slate you won't have an issue blank slate i won't be like oh this is not how we did it in sage well some of it though is like a lot of the stuff that you need and do we've done like outside mm-hmm. with our biz site and yep. stuff so that is your erp now like you have to yeah it's like we talked you were kind of panicking about something i just want day. my numbers <laughs> but that's going to change so no. that is what you have to relearn how i'm going to do things without all that um, sorry, this took a dark turn. <laughs> are humans less edible than other animals? Quite yeah. the opposite. Humans are a delicacy. We are slow. What? We lack the pesky fur that gets stuck in your teeth. We don't have crunchy armor plating. We don't even have claws worth mentioning. The fossil record is full of delightful animals that took advantage of this. Oh, animals that took advantage of it. That Eating humans. Is that, was that their way to <laughs> save face? Of they like, just said delightful animals. Delight, yeah, they really just said it. Are humans like less? They were happy animals? the saber-toothed tiger was hunting prehistoric man? I guess. Sounds like it. They're saying they wouldn't hunt us if we didn't taste so good. That's what I got out of it. Like, listen, if you're if you're an animal hunting something, you're like, oh, this one's got fur on it. What is this? And then you go to one that's just like, oh, this one's just all meat, ready to rock. It's all, it's extra fat on it for no reason around the spots that I expected to be in. I would assume. Why wouldn't it? (laughs) Take the path of least resistance. But yeah. Are they really hunting for the taste and flavor or are they hunting because it's survival? Right. Yeah. I'm saying that would equal that if we lived in their environment, I guess is what. Yeah. No, we'd, we'd also, if we were actively being hunted all the time, we also wouldn't have all this fat. No. Right. Like there are a lot of fat cavemen. A lot of variables. Well, yeah. How many do you know? A lot. Prove it. I am 80 <laughs> something percent more Neanderthal than the average human. Trim, so yeah. I can talk to you. Have you taken like a 23 and me Long test? Long time ago, yeah. Okay. I need to look at and look and see what mine is. Mine is uh, 
substantial amount of Neanderthal. Are you really? Yeah. Oh. What does yeah. that exactly mean? Is that there's less of lineage to your bloodline or something? There's or? more. There's more. That more means- lineage from directly from Neanderthal. No, it can't be because you would get pushed further away if there was more people. So there's less people in your line. You're more Neanderthal. Yeah. Yeah, so less humans have been... Less human. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm less human no, than No, I'm saying... Le- whatever. I think we're saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Grizzly bear population is out of control. Uh, this is from the Daily Interlake. Uh, the article is interesting. Um, it's written from a hunter's perspective saying when he was growing up uh, by Swan Lake, very rarely, if ever, did they run into grizzly bears. He said he's had more encounters recently than ever before, and he can't ever go out after it's snowed or when it's muddy and not see very fresh, large grizzly bear tracks. Um, his take on it is that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service don't want the public to know actually how many grizzlies are really out there. And I do feel like we have seen a increase in grizzly bear, fatal grizzly bear encounters over the last couple of years. Um, there was that article saying that there were twice as many shark fatalities as there were last year or in previous years, like literally twice as many. So something's going on. Maybe it is that we're just getting fatter and the animals are like, tastier. I love fat. (laughs) My friend told me you guys taste awesome. I'm coming after it. But yeah, no, the grizzly bears are obviously more concerning because they're around people a lot more. Um, Some of it, is it? So in the story, it, it, there's one line that says, I have a neighbor who was charged by a grizzly bear in his front yard and lucky to be alive. What what are is it just people nowadays that are changing their environment and attracting bears more? Are you leaving trash and things outside? Because one place uh where no. I go in Colorado, um, like there there used to be like bears that would like be out there and wandering around a lot until they took out the trash cans that were sitting there that they let people just dump stuff in and then the bears went away. Because you put trash out and the bears are going to try to get it. They want to eat. And they're like, oh, that smells easy. So is it just a difference in how people live and operate? And are people less cautious about setting trash out or paying attention to what where bears are, what's going on? It's also that like in Wyoming and a lot of these places, they've listed the grizzly bear as an endangered species. So nobody's hunting them. In British Columbia, they used to have hunting season. And then people from the big cities didn't like that idea. So they voted and made it outlawed in all of British Columbia, even though those people in the big cities are never going to come in contact with the bear, while the people who are living out in the wilderness are now being harassed by it. It's the well, same thing was, with sharks. There's more of them now. They're going to become more of a problem. If I was out in the boonies and it was on my property, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't say this, but yeah, I, would take, I would take care, I would take, take care of it, take it out. And if someone... Like, uh, not just for, like, the heck of it, but if there was a bear, like, hanging out, like, close to my house and, like, or, or I'm going to take it out because I don't want it to kill me. It's who yeah. wants to survive? Oh, that's 100%. Someone fair. wants to get mad at you about that? So be it. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking up quickly the uh, 10 best uh, grizzly bear hair defense handguns. Um, only had eight. <laughs> Six of the eight were 10 millimeters. I was going to say, is, is I don't think there's such a thing. Because even in the, in the article here, he's he's talking about, uh, quote unquote, I, I stood my ground with my measly 30-06. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and that was a mama grizzly in that article too because she had two full-grown cubs with her. Um, you get charged by one of those 
a good luck with the panic like your your adrenaline is going to be so high and b unless you hit it dead right it's still going to at least get you you might kill it mm-hmm. but you're not going to kill it right away i would not want to go bear hunting if i was doing something in those regards i would go bear killing there's a big difference Fair between point. the two. I would not go bear hunting. Fair point. Uh, cheese recall expands to dozens of products as two people die. Uh, this is from Newsweek. Um, food and Drug Administration is expanding the number of food vendors who must recall products containing cheese from a California producer. Officials suspect may be behind a nationwide listeria outbreak that has been linked to two deaths and dozens of hospitalizations. On Saturday, the federal agency added three new products by different companies to a growing list of recalls over fears. They contained potentially contaminated queso fresca and cotija. 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 I don't know how you say that one. Cotija. It's like Godzilla. <laughs> no, I'm going to. Cotija. See, I knew I'd get him there. <laughs> I knew I'd get him there. Uh, manufactured by Rizzo Lopez Foods of Modesto, California. So just another, um, just more and more. Recalls seem to be happening. Um, Oregon health officials confirmed first human bubonic plague case since 2015. That's pretty awesome, right? Don't say that. That's heavy metal. Uh, An Oregon resident has been infected with the state's first case of bubonic plague since 2015. The resident was likely infected by the uh, plague by their symptomatic pet cat. Ah. I knew it. So cats hold the plague. Another Wait, I thought they were the reason the plague uh, went away, right? Well, because people started uh, killing cats. No, they said there was a reason for the plague was because black cats became no. bad luck. No. So they killed them and then the rats overtook everything. No, witches had cats. So they started to get rid of all the cats because they're afraid they were witches. So. Right. So the the but they caused the rats had a lice on them that caused the plague. Yes. If you had cats, you didn't get the plague. So they thought, oh, you're a witch because you don't have the plague. But it was the cats that was driving the the rats and mice away from people. So So that caused the plague. What? The them killing the cats. Is that what you said? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because they thought they were witches. I thought it was just associated with witches, but he's probably. is, right. is, is, is there it's all bogus dude who knows any is, is so if uh, the only thing in my head when we're talking cats and witches i immediately go to monty python why so oh isn't that right no no am i thinking the wrong duck thing? damn it yeah well, is there do they not talk anything about cats no, i'm i'm nope. crossing duck. two things around yeah. do you see said earlier my, my brain so and my memory she is bad she weighs the same as duck as a I swear there's something about cats and witches. A witch? A witch. Whatever. I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff about cats and witches in everything, but not in Monty Python that I'm aware of. Kurt might hear this and call me an idiot after if I'm forgetting something. I think you're right. I think I'm the idiot. Yeah, I I think think you're thinking ducks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Grizzly bears have been spotted in the Bitterroot, but the ecosystem doesn't have an established population. This week, however, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service announced a public scoping period to consider options for restoring grizzly bears to the Bitterroot ecosystem, although it said one option is not taking any action. That is the correct action to take because I go to the Bitterroot system almost every year when I go to Missoula for Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous. Thankfully, I will not be going this year because it's in uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis. Um, But the first year we went, we went to this beautiful farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. 
And uh, as it started getting darker out and I was walking back to my car, I was giving these two ladies a ride back and just brought up grizzlies. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. There's no grizzlies in the in the Bitterroot. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, I feel way more comfortable walking around in the middle of the night now. But now I will no longer do that. That was the same year that I, one of the, I gave three ladies a ride home. One of them was the keynote speaker and nobody knew that I took her home. And they <laughs> spent like an hour and a half walking the grounds looking for worried that something had gotten her. Oh, oh so, gosh. Yeah. yeah. That was funny. No, just John. <laughs> just John being an idiot, <laughs> doing whatever he wants, not listening. Um, but yeah, so that is uh, all of the ones I had for wildcard this, this whatever. Wildcard podcast. Is that all we have? That's all I have. We're trying to update to the new ticketing system and do a bunch of things in there. So I didn't have a ton of time to just like look for things. We still went over an hour. Well, we had it probably shortened down to 50 minutes, but. Stephen was a good guest. Mm -hmm. So it felt maybe, yeah, felt short because I didn't talk much through that. But no, when that was funny when we were interviewing, when I was interviewing Ryan, I was like, hey, do you want to come? You're like, do I need to come? They're like, you do all the talking. And I was like, like, oh, yeah, that's true. Like anytime we have another guest on, it's almost always me hogging the conversation from the Walton side. Just fine. I had just have so many questions. I'm inquisitive. Okay. We'll go with that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> right. Um, one other thing, uh, for anybody who's in the Wichita area, our laser shot game is set up in our retail store. You are free to come in, uh, buy some stuff, and try to beat my high score at the drill game. Do you have the I am high the high score. Patrick and I stayed late one day. And <laughs> I uh I think only it took me like two tries to get the high score. And it's a tough game. No one's been able to beat it Cause since because you, you hit it. And it doesn't register. Uh, Patrick, to his in his defense, there were two where clearly it was on the target, like the red dot was on the target. We need to recalibrate and it or something. Just yeah. So if it. you if you really want to do it, go and do the calibration first, so it's calibrated to your shooting style, <laughs> and then play your game. Oh man, mm, that sounds it's too. not correct. It's like wherever you think. It's like ah uh, yeah, we get what you think center is. So. Yeah, we're gonna do some sort of high score game because we're bringing it up to Minneapolis for the BHA rendezvous. Can you clear the high scores? I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. Yeah, it can't be that hard. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Meat Logistics Podcast. To shop everything but the meat, head on over to Waltons.com. To get your meat processing questions answered by experts and enthusiasts alike, head on over to our online community at MeatGistics.com. Waltons, everything but the meat.